0: to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news, and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi.
1: Hey, welcome to another edition of Private Club Radio. Got a fun episode for you today. We're going to be chatting with Jeff Tomberg, who started a very unique company called Group Valet. So a couple of months back, I was speaking at the Florida Club Summit, and I was just browsing the trade show floor, ran into Jeff, and his product really intrigued me. It piqued my interest, and I thought, let's get him on Private Club Radio to explain it to our listeners. He's got some great ideas about how to engage your membership, how to find them where they're actually hanging out, and to more properly communicate with them. And if for nothing else, I think that you'll get some great ideas from Jeff. Get your juices flowing on how you can better engage your membership and better communicate with them. In addition to Jeff, we're going to be joined today once again by Peter Nanula of Concert Golf Partners. And we have another edition of Board Chats, where we will be interviewing real life board members about real life board issues. So definitely stay tuned for that. Now, before I bring those gentlemen on, I want to remind you about our Facebook group called the Private Club Radio Listeners Forum. It's a little group of general managers and club industry experts getting together to discuss issues that are relevant to today's private clubs. Go to Facebook, just search for Private Club Radio. You'll see it come right up. It's a private group, but you can ask to join and I will let you in. And I think you'll have a lot of fun there. We share some behind the scenes. You'll get a chance to ask your own questions to some of our upcoming show guests. For instance, Jeff Morgan, the CEO of the CMAA, will be on in a couple weeks to discuss millennials. And if you've got a question you want to ask Jeff, be part of that group, and you could get that question on the show. But we have a lot of fun over there, so just check it out. Private Club Radio Listeners Forum on Facebook. Just search for Private Club
0: Radio. And now it's time for Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners. A behind-the-scenes look inside real boardrooms with special guest Peter Nanula.
1: Welcome to another edition of Board Chats presented by Concert Golf Partners, where we discuss real-world board issues with real-life board members and give you a peek into what's happening inside the boardrooms around the country. We're joined once again today by Peter Nanula, Chairman and CEO of Concert Golf Partners. Peter, how are you doing today? Doing great. Hey, Gabe. Excellent. Tell us what's going on at Concert Golf. Well,
2: you know, busy with uh, formerly member-owned clubs that we're pumping capital into and trying to always improve the member experience. So that keeps us out of trouble. Well, oh, I bet.
1: Um, any um, new properties out there that you're looking at or parts of the world that you're, you're traveling to?
2: Yeah, uh, we've got one in uh, Pennsylvania and one in Florida that are joining shortly. Just going through the, uh, the process with the members to understand it fully and approve of it and so we can get started with our work there.
1: Well, that's very exciting stuff. Well, today we're also joined by Dan Hartnett of McGregor Downs Country Club in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, Dan was a finance executive over at IBM and formerly the CEO of Quintiles and INC Research. Dan, thanks for joining us today on Private Club Radio.
2: Great. Thank you, Gabe. Nice to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. Can you first tell us about your club, McGregor Downs in Raleigh?
2: Sure. Yeah, I've been a member here at McGregor Downs for about twenty-three years. Uh, My wife and I were were relocated into the area from New York, but back in '93. And and when we got down here, we looked at several clubs in the area and uh, took a very strong liking to McGregor Downs. It's a club that's been around since 1967. Uh, As a matter of fact, we're going to have our 50th anniversary next year, which should be a Great celebration! Um, the you know the club is a Scottish theme club, um, and and the club and the surrounding areas, the neighborhoods that surround uh, the clubhouse is just a very special area. There are members here who have, who have been here for for quite some time, and there's a lot of legacy members. You know, sons and daughters of of those members that, that have, uh, established residences right here within the community. So it's, it's like a home away from home. Um, the club, uh, the golf course itself is a magnificent golf course. It's hosted many U S uh, GA qualifiers and, and many NCAA competitive golf events.
1: Yeah. It looks like a beautiful, beautiful property.
2: Yeah. It's a very nice property.
1: Now, Dan, can you give us some insight into some of the major board issues that you were having there at McGregor downs
2: sure um you know like like most clubs um you know especially as you got past the two thousand and eight uh time frame you know we we had you know debt not not staggering debt here at mcgregor we we uh managed the club very well, but we did have some bank debt and and that was also coupled with some Member debt that we had. Um, and, and, you know, most, like most clubs, you know, we needed uh, to put in some capital improvements for us, uh, especially greens and tea boxes, and, and to do some much needed improvements to the clubhouse. And, you know, as in the past, in order to secure the funds to do that, you know, we would either do it through increasing dues or do it through member assessments. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously the problem with that is the, uh, assessments tend to increase the attrition rate, um, and dues if they're, you know, they're, they're caps so somewhat based on the marketplace. So you've got to be very careful what you do there. And also, you know, in order to attract, uh, members, new members, you know, you don't want to, uh, form a reputation of the club, whereby, you know, it's, it's known for its assessments and, 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 you know, high dues. So, so we, we, we looked at that, uh, and, and, um, and so we decided to take a very, very close look at that.
1: Perfect. And yeah, what were some of the options that you guys considered over there?
2: Well, there were two things that we did. Um, you know, we sat down and said, uh, let's, Take a look at putting together a long-range capital plan, and and we we had only looked at about a year and and said, you know, here are the capital improvements that we need to make. You know, I, you know the, the you know the view may have gone out to eighteen months, but but it was a relatively short-term view of our capital needs, and and so we put together a long-range planning committee. That was that was made up of about six or seven members. And they went out and they looked at what the capital needs of the club were over about an eight-year horizon. And we've never done that before. So, so they did a very, very detailed analysis on that. At the same time, we formed another committee to try and look at uh, another option. And that option was, would it make sense at all to bring in a outside partner into the club. Um and if we did that, you know, what would that look like and how would the members feel about that? So we put together a committee which I chaired and there were five of us on the committee. And what we did, first couple of meetings, we just kind of sat around talking about how we wanted to run the process. And during those discussions, you know, we introduced the idea that, you know, hey, we are a a member-owned equity club, uh, and with that comes a lot of warts. And the warts were, you know, we had bylaws that that would compete with the federal government, um, mm-hmm. and we, you know, and that they would restrict uh, what could or could not be done in the club. And the general manager would would typically have is hands tied by a lot of these bylaws. We also had a twelve member board and those members would have a three-year term. So every year there would be four new members on the board. Uh to complicate things we had, you know, you know, we had twenty three other committees in the club, again with similar terms to the board, you know, three year terms. So, so there was that there was all this this new, fresh ideas and faces coming on these boards and committees every year. And so in January, you know, you'd look at it, it was like Groundhog Day. <laughs> you know, Everyone would get there and look at one another and say, all right, well, what do we do next? So, so we wanted to look at that as well. And so what we did, my committee, what we did, and this was all at the same time that this long-range planning committee was in process, we went and we looked at uh, s- several different potential outside partners, and you know we ran it as a business process. We did due do- do diligence on them; they did due diligence on us. We had them in. We had meetings, um, and and one of the things that the committee agreed to upfront was if we ever went down that road. We wanted to be sure that whoever we selected would be a good fit for the club because what no one wanted to do was to change the culture of the club, which, which is a huge asset to any club. So we did that process, both the long range planning committee and our committee converged about five months later and took the recommendations to the board. Uh, the 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 board weighed both of them. Uh, they looked at many of the new capital uh, um, projects that came out of the Long Range Planning Committee and were, quite frankly, surprised at a lot of them mm-hmm. because some of them were infrastructure-related and wouldn't really add any membership value, but n- needed to be addressed. And then they looked at our proposal, and we didn't take them through... All the people we looked at, we just took them through, uh, concert golf, because as we went through the vetting process, the committee selected concert golf as the partner, if we should go down that road.
1: What was attractive to you about concert golf then,
2: Dan? Well, you know, as I said, you know, the thing that was important to us was the culture of the club. Uh, if you meet Peter Danua, you know, he's a very sincere uh, well balanced uh intelligent businessman and he understands this industry better than most and so we all uh felt very strong about how Peter would approach the management of this club and 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 how his team working with uh the team here at mcgregor would 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 bring big, big improvements to the hub. And, and, and so it was just a level of confidence that we had in Peter that we did not have in the other partners that we looked at.
1: Nice. And, and in terms of getting consensus from the board and from the membership, what, what steps did you take to do that?
2: Well, first we went and we made our own presentation to the board. Um, and the board was, very much in favor of what we told them and 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 you know told them that this is what we would recommend the club to do and then the recommendation would be to partner with Concert Golf and get off of this equity model approach that we've been on since 1967 and do something entirely different and and um and so so they took that and you know they weighed that against this long-range planning committee proposal, and so what we did is we had a few town hall meetings with the membership, and we, we gave the membership an opportunity to ask questions because uh, the, they really didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. So okay. it, they had an opportunity to ask questions uh, about why we're doing this. Who's concert golf, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we had a few, a few of those town hall meetings. We had a good representation of the entire membership at at uh, you know at those meetings. Uh, that was then followed by a capabilities presentation, if you will, by Concert Golf. They came in and they talked a lot about who they were, uh, what they would do, and why it would benefit McGregor Downs. And a lot of the 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 silly questions, if you will, that were that were vetted in those two town hall meetings, had already been addressed, and so it was a very meaningful discussion back and forth between Peter and any other member who had questions, uh, and and then that that then was followed by a full membership vote, um, and you know this this process by the time we went to the board. The membership vote was, you know, it was probably less than sixty days. It was that quick wow. because of all the groundwork that had been done before then, and the vote I think passed by a majority of about eighty-five percent of the members.
1: Wow, incredible! If there's one last piece of advice that you'd like to give folks out there that are considering this at their club, what would it be, Dan?
2: Well, just very briefly, it's two things. One is is we asked ourselves the question people in my committee asked the question uh early on, and we asked ourselves, "Why are we an equity owned club and We kept asking ourselves that question, "Why are we an equity owned club and No one really had an answer for that i mean not not one reason emerged and and so even you know two years after the fact now you know, I still ask myself that question, you know, and I still have no reason why why it makes sense to be an equity-owned club. So that's, that's one lesson learned. The other lesson learned was um, if we had to do this all over again, I sure wish we had done it a lot sooner.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, Dan, thanks so much for giving us your insights. Before I let you gentlemen go, Peter, uh, how do folks get in touch with you or how do they start the process if they're interested in pursuing something like this at their club?
2: Yeah, our website is probably the best place, ConcertGolfPartners.com, and my phone number's there. I'd love to just talk to them like Dan and I did you know, a couple of years ago and just learn about the process. doesn't mean it's for everyone, but you get into some good discussions, as Dan has highlighted, about why the club is structured the way it is. How does it raise capital? How is it governed? Just a good, good process for boards to go through, I think.
1: Guys, thanks so much for joining me today,
0: and I uh, hope you have a good rest of yours. Thanks, Gabe. Join us next month for another edition of Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners.
1: Jeff Tomberg is a former classical musician turned IT guru. He's worked in technology since the late 1990s. After leading several successful international IT projects for cosmetics giant Avon, Jeff moved on to become chief technology officer for three different media companies in New York City before eventually founding his current project, which we're here to speak about with him today, Group Valet. Jeff, welcome to Private Club Radio.
3: Thanks, Gabe. It's great to be with you. Yeah, thank you. Jeff, can you first tell us the story of Group Valet and how you got that started? Sure. Uh, I was a member of a club up in Connecticut and got into the uh, quote-unquote young guys golf group. Which at the time was about four or five of us in the group. Okay. And one of one of the, the guys raised his hand. And he said, Hey, I'll get our tea times every week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he started emailing all of us in the group. And, you know, when it was just four or five of us, that was no big deal. But our group quickly grew to about 20 and eventually grew to 40. Wow. And around the time that it was about 20 people. Uh, this guy i was talking to me and he said you know this is really becoming a pain it's a lot of work to email everybody every week and some guys get back to me and uh, with their answer but some guys don't get back to me so I have to follow up with them mm-hmm. and worse is some people will say hey i can't play this week but put me down for three weeks from now <laughs> right so so now i'm keeping a spreadsheet of who's in town when mm-hmm. so at that point being uh, uh, an it person i wrote a a small little website that was hard-coded just for our group and it automatically sent out uh, emails to the group every week and if you wanted to play that week you just click the link in the email and that signed you up and at the end of the week our group captain got the list of who signed up and he went and got our tea times made life easy for everybody right and eventually other people in the club heard about it. And so another golf group asked if they could use it. And then a Canasta group asked if they could use it and a bridge group asked. And it just organically grew uh, into a bigger and bigger product over time.
1: Yeah. So it doesn't have to be just for golf. And I have a golf group on Saturday and what you're describing is pretty much exactly what goes on. So on, <laughs> on Wednesday, he uh, he's a saint. His name's Jack and he emails all 30, 40 of us something ridiculous And we all get back to them. And it kind of also kills me because that means I get like 20 different emails from people. They don't know how to reply. They always hit reply all. And (laughs) I'm on this long email chain of like a bunch of different guys. And of course, half the ones that even say they're going to show up, don't show up. (laughs) (laughs) Or or people just show up without telling they're coming. So it's a big mess every Saturday. So I can see how there needs to be a better system out there.
3: Yeah, it is a universal problem. Everyone we've talked to, has a story just like yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. So with golf on the decline, though, clubs need to find new ways of engaging members. What are you seeing and what are your thoughts on this, Jeff?
3: Well, it's interesting because clubs that were traditionally the golf club really are expanding out in lots of different ways. And I know on your show, you've talked to, to lots of different people about this. And, and so you, you've had a lot of the insights into some of the newer activities. Um, you know, something like pickleball, which I hadn't heard of until two or three years ago, is now a relatively popular sport. So it's, it's something that, that clubs are always looking at what's new to bring in. What I find really interesting is that I think there's a lot of activity and engagement that's already at the club, but the club may not be aware of it. So, you know, clubs are really great at tracking the the big club activities, golf, tennis, dining. If you go up to a general manager and ask them how many rounds of golf they, they had last year, they'll give you the number right off the top of their head. Ask them how many tables of bridge they had last year. They're probably not going to give you that number right off the top of their head.
1: They probably don't even want to remember, to be honest. <laughs> that,
3: could, that could be <laughs> the case. Uh, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of that um, what I call hidden engagement that's happening uh, at the clubs already or that's just underneath the surface where members have these interests that they want to participate in, but the club ne- might not necessarily be offering it yet. And one of the, the, the challenges I think clubs have today is the belief that they have to be the ones to offer the, the activities to the members rather than letting the members do it themselves. So as an example, we have a club up the Northeast that uh, when they open the doors to the members to create their own groups for their own activities, one member created a fly fishing group and got 24 members in that group. Someone else created a ski trip group. There's bird watching groups. I've seen knitting groups. So there's all these different interests that members want to do that the clubs just aren't yet there uh, offering those.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we always kind of talk about clubs within the clubs and and getting yep. those started for members, but actually having them go out and create their own ideas and their own groups sounds like a pretty good idea. Is there any any drawback to that or any um, any things you've seen where that's maybe not such a good idea?
3: Well, the, the only uh, pushback, I'd call it, that we've gotten from clubs is they don't want it to go too fast. Okay. Because, you know, if there's a new group that's forming at the club and they need space at the club to to get together... There's someone at the club that has to coordinate that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's about taking baby steps, but still taking those baby steps moving forward. So, you know, one of the nice things about a tool like Group Valet is not only can it be used for the members to create those groups, but can also be used for the members to book those rooms that they need. So again, helping to, to alleviate the workload on the staff while still giving the members the ability to go ahead and form these groups.
1: Yeah, very nice. Well, like you mentioned, there's a lot of activity at clubs that's just not being tracked properly or not being tracked, period. What other types of things should clubs be measuring in terms of the data and what should they do with that data once they have it?
3: Yeah, well, to to me, one of the main things is defining some of the industry buzzwords so that everybody's on the same page. Uh, I, I know from my past in both the corporate world and then also in the startup world, there's a lot of these industry buzzwords that people use and you'll sit in meetings and everyone will nod their head in agreement that, yes, this is the right way to go, but no one's actually defined what that buzzword means for, for that, uh, that business. Sure. So people go off and they agree on something that people all have a different, a definition of what they're agreeing to. Right. And one of the things I've seen very clearly in the club industry is, uh, that engagement is one of those buzzwords. Okay. So everybody uses the, the term engagement. We need to increase engagement. We need to grow engagement, but uh, engagement means different things to different people. Right. You know, if you ask many general managers how they would define engagement, it's probably going to be very different than if you were asked some controllers, how they define engagement. Uh, and same thing with the membership directors or communication directors, okay. uh, you know, So it's, there, there needs to be a shared understanding of what these terms are so that we can all be working towards the same goal.
1: Cool. So what's that for you then? How would you define it, Jeff?
3: Well, so engagement to me, it, well, let me take a step back and tell you what I typically hear from people uh, is that engagement is about getting more people in the door or generating more revenue or something that gets people more active in the club. And to me, those are all happy byproducts of engagement, but they're not engagement itself. And true engagement is the emotional connection that members have between themselves and the club and themselves and other members of the club. And so when you talk about increasing engagement, it's all about how do you increase that emotional connection that the members have. So you can have somebody who uh, comes to your course every day and plays around after work And while the controller might call that engagement because they're generating some revenue in greens fees and carts fees or whatever they're they're generating there, that may or may not actually be engagement. It all depends on how emotionally connected that member is to that golf course. When I was a member of the club up in Connecticut, I absolutely loved my golf course. And every time I went there, I had a serene feeling of being there, no matter how bad my golf game was. And, you know, it was just a place I, I was happy to be. I had friends there who played that course just because it happened to be where they belonged and they could care less if they were playing at that course or the one down the road. So it was a much, it, I was engaged with that golf course in that club where in, in that instance, my friend was not necessarily engaged. Right. So it's about building those emotional connections.
1: What should we do with this data once we've actually decided what this engagement means?
3: Yeah. So there's three pillars of member engagement, the, the the foundation on which engagement is created for a member. And all the data needs to be used to support these three pillars. And those are building awareness, driving participation, and delighting your members. So if you can focus attention onto each of those three pillars, you're going to end up with greater engagement. And The byproduct of engagement is more revenue, more retention, happier members, all the good things that go along with that. So if we were to break that down and start with that first pillar of building awareness, uh, one of the the, the first things I learned when I started with Group Valet is how important and complicated club communications are. Uh, I've sat with staff members who have told me, that, you know, no matter how many emails we send out, I still get members that come up to me and say, I didn't know about that. And oh, I wish I would have known about this activity coming on. And the, the staff person is pulling their hair out because they've sent five emails and the member never read those emails. Right. You know, and it, this is this is across the board. I hear this story. And this, the the troubling thing to me is I've had those same staff people say. So, I'm sending five today, and they're not getting the message. I need to send ten. Mm-hmm. Right. you know, I want to do everything I can so that member knows what's going on and can't use the excuse that I didn't email them. Right. And it's actually backwards of of the solution <laughs> because they're oversaturating the member and they're they're training the member to ignore emails that come from the club.
1: Yeah. I tune out after, if I get more than one a week, say I'm not reading anymore after that.
3: <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, and look, we all do that. You, you think of the retail emails that we get, how many do you actually read through? You know, right. the, so especially this time of year, sure. you know, you, everyone gets oversaturated with that. Right. So it, it's all about sending the right message to the right person at the right time. And more uh, is not better. Less is better in this case. and it, it's it's a hard pill uh, for a lot of times for clubs to swallow because it seems counterintuitive. But the fact of the matter is if you want members to pay attention more, you have to communicate with them less, but communicate with them more effectively. right? So part of that is and what we've done with group valet is we've embedded club messaging into The emails that members get for their activities so if you have a member run golf group of you know the 40 guys take my group as an example every week we're getting our email of signing up do you want to play golf next week yes or no and the members of that group open those emails they learn to expect those emails on a certain day and time and they actually read them because they want to participate in their golf group right so what we we, we've done is put some space in that email for the club to advertise upcoming club events. So the club is not sending out an extra email. They're actually embedding their information in the email that the members are already reading for a different purpose.
1: Ah, I like that. Yeah, that's a completely different approach there because you're, you're, you're get, getting them where they're already engaged. I like that.
3: Exactly. You know, and the thing is the members don't mind because the members want to know about what's going on in the club. And it's less emails for them. They're happy to receive a less overall email count. Right. So, so it works out good for everyone that way.
1: All right, Jeff. So that is pillar number one. What's pillar number
3: two on your list? All right. So that's about driving participation. And the way to do that is just three words. Personalize, personalize, personalize. That's the, the age we live in now is everyone expects everything to be personalized for them. Uh, the problem is clubs don't really do that. Um, every club I've talked to sends out a monthly calendar. And they, And uh, by the way, I'm not suggesting people shouldn't do that. They absolutely should. But I think everyone should do that with their eyes open on what the monthly calendar really is. I have yet to meet a staff person who likes putting a club calendar together. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do a
1: bunch of newsletters for clubs and we do all their calendars, and that's the hardest so part of it.
3: You get it. Yeah. The, and the, the problem with that is when the members receive it, how, what percentage of that calendar actually pertains to any member? You know, if you're lucky, maybe 20 to 30% of it right Uh, now what happens is when a new member joins the club they get their first calendar and and they're just devouring that they're going through to find out everything that's going on they get the next month's calendar and they're probably still devouring that one but when you get into the third and fourth month they're starting to realize a lot of this calendar is the same as last month you know i get it the steak night is every friday okay you know so eventually the member stops reading the calendar as voraciously as they did in the beginning and most members don't even look at it at all. And this we know from, from various surveys. Right, And yet clubs still do it, and they should because there's a few members who rely on that. And, and that's great, and they should continue to do that. But one of the things we've done with Group Valet is given the members a completely personalized dashboard of everything they have going on in the club based on the groups that they're in. So if you're on the Greens Committee, the Board of Governors, you're in a golf group, a bridge group. When you log into Group Valet, you're going to see everything coming up for those groups. Oh, nice. Com- completely personalized for you.
1: In the online world, we call it screen blindness. So that's why a lot of times on the websites, they'll, you know, they won't always have ads just in the right sidebar because they realize that people just started to ignore the right sidebar <laughs> after a <laughs> while. So they, we had to change things up in terms of um, how we're marketing online. I assume it's, it's a very similar concept here that you're it, describing.
3: It absolutely is. You know, we, we give the members one place to go where they start. It, it becomes a, a habit. They start to know when to go and what to look for and look in, this, in the same place for it. Right. And, and they get a lot of information that way. Another thing we've done is for members who belong to multiple clubs, and there's a lot of them out there. Uh, if you have both of your clubs using Group Valet, when you log in, you're going to see everything from both clubs mixed together in one place for you. So it becomes a one-stop shop for you as a club member to see everything that you've got going on. So the personalization is a real big key. Um, The other thing that I think is very important is, uh, and this still is for driving participation, is pushing things out to members. And we have to be careful with this because we don't want to oversaturate like we talked about. Um, But when you make members have to go to your website to see what's going on, you're immediately going to lose some, because some people just won't do it. If you are taking the step of pushing the information out to the members, and then they click on something and then have to log in, you're going to lose some members from having to log in. Um, And you're going to lose them because they forgot their password, uh, they don't want to call the club, or it's 10 o'clock at night and they can't call the club to get their password reset, whatever the case may be. Uh, you're going to lose people with every action that they have to take. So what you want to do is take the information that's, that's out there and push it to them once a week, twice a week, whatever it might be, but make it really simple for them to receive it, click on what they want, and then be done. So the member is in control of of how they receive everything and when they want to participate. Okay, nice. And one last point on that is – uh, this, I think, uh, becoming a more important point for clubs is reducing the overall software footprint. Um, I've seen a lot of clubs now who have one system members go into to sign up for tee times. And they have a different system to sign up for for court reservations, different system if they want to sign up for a lesson with one of the pros. That be, You're going to lose members right there from participating because they can't always remember which tool to go into for what, for what action. So you want to consolidate as much as possible and make things just very simple for the member.
1: Beautiful. And then what would your third pillar be, Jeff?
3: Well, the third one is delighting the members. And that is really an offshoot of the first two. So if you can make it easy for members to find out what's going on in the club, where things come to them, they don't have to go look for it. You make it easy for the members to sign up for or even create activities that they have an interest in and you make it easy for the members to do things with other members, you're gonna, that, that's where you get that member delight and that's where you get that emotional connection with the club. Uh, I call it creating sticky members. These are, these are members who are always going to be at your club. They're the ones that you want at your club because they're, they're the social members that keep that, that social glue of the club going. And the last point on this, which I think is just so important, by doing all of this, you're really empowering your members to help with member retention, right? And that, that is just the key to everything. It's, it's not the club going out there and showing members why it's important to participate and stay at the club. It's the other members doing it for you. That, that's, that's the greatest selling point that a club can have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And believe it or not, as we're sitting here, I just got my, my little weekly email and there's already been five replies. So I've got five <laughs> emails here um, with my with my guys going back and forth. So um, it definitely <laughs> it's definitely a problem.
3: For sure. Well, well, I hope we can help you with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So how does the, how's the pricing model or how's the, how's the structure of this?
3: Yeah. So we're based on the number of members at a club and we have different tiers based on the number of members. And we, we range anywhere from 1500 a year, all the way up to 10,000 a year, again, based on how many members are at the club.
1: Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So you're facilitating this club communications via this you know what would you call it? Like an alternative channel of of the group ballet, or or how would you describe this?
3: Yeah, I would actually call it a uh, the the member desired channel. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, so so it's it's where the members want to be. This is their their weekly mahjong game, or their golf game, or tennis, or their spa treatments, wherever wherever they're getting for things we want the club that the club can use that. Um, but it, but it's also the club communication is a, there's an exponential factor to this. Mm -hmm. So not only do you get more bang for sending out less emails by doing it this way, but because you're letting members run their own group and you're using a system to help the member manage that group, the groups get larger. Mm -hmm. So what we've seen is 90% of groups get larger within the first month after using Group Valet. And when we talk to the group captains about that, we hear a universal story you know like like your friend before using group valet they had x number of hours of work they were doing every week in managing their group right. so when it got up to 40 people they didn't want to let number 41 in because they don't want any more work it's enough as it is <laughs> sure right you know, so when they start using group valet and the workload goes down significantly all of a sudden the group captains don't care how many members are in their group yeah. so we see that 40 person group go to 45 or 50 people mm-hmm. And that's across the board. So now not only are more people finding out every week about a weekly golf game they can participate in, or cards, or whatever it might be, but more people are also seeing that ad for the club event. Right. So there's that there's benefit all the way around. It helps the the group managers, which brings in more members, which helps the club, which then helps the group managers more. And it's a it's a happy cycle.
1: Yeah, sounds like a virtuous cycle for sure. Yes. Now you said that this met, this doesn't just apply to golf. You can actually get this with other types of groups, the bridge group, the mahjong group, and and other groups within the club.
3: That's that's right. So it, it's literally for any type of activity. Um, we have over 110 different types of activities in our system. But we also have one that's called other. So if we don't have it listed, the members can choose it and we can we can add new ones to our system all the time. But but it can be used for literally anything. That's a group of people getting together.
1: Interesting. So is it just happening over email or when people are actually saying yes or no? Are they having to go to a website, a mobile application? How does it all work?
3: So we do have a mobile application, which is it's a companion app to the website. But the way our system works is, you know, again, we, we look to make it as easy as possible for the members to use. So when you get your email, there it gives you all the information about what it is. And then there's a sign up and a button and a decline button. Okay. When you click those buttons, there's code behind those buttons that automatically logs the member into our website. So the member doesn't have to remember a password or a username. They just click the button, takes them into the website, shows them a message. Thank you. You've been signed up. Yep. So it's very simple.
1: Oh, it sounds very simple. Uh you've sold me, <laughs> which is hard <laughs> which is hard to do. Um so I'm definitely gonna recommend it to my guys over at my club because I know they pull their hair out every week. And like I said, I pull my hair out every week because why the heck does he have to hit reply all? Why can't he just say exactly. yes or no to the one guy? Uh <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we're moving on to the next section of this interview, which is the bucket list. And I'm sure if you've listened to a couple episodes of the show, this is where we ask uh, all our guests, if there's one club out there that our listeners have to see before they die, what would it be for you, Jeff?
3: So this is going to be a little bit of um, a personal point here. But my club up in Connecticut, where I said I, I just loved being on that golf course, yep. I truly believe it's a hidden gem and it's Fairview country club in Greenwich, Connecticut. It is an absolutely gorgeous golf course kept in great shape by the team up there. Uh, If that, if anyone can ever get into that course, you absolutely
0: should.
1: All right. I like that. i always like hidden ones that are out of the way that no one's ever heard of. Those are my favorite (laughs) ones. And um, if folks want to find out more about group valet or get in touch with you, Jeff, how would they do that?
3: Well, they can go to groupvalet.com. Uh, they can sign up for a free trial there, or they can email me at jtomberg at groupvalet.com.
1: Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for being on Private Club Radio, sharing your story. I think it's sounds like a pretty remarkable product. I definitely want to look into it more myself, and I hope our listeners do too. Thanks so much for being on, Jeff.
3: Thanks, Gabe. I enjoyed it
1: great stuff from jeff right there and i am not lying when i say that i am going to pick up the phone right after i get off the radio here and call my buddy who's been running this crazy crazy system and hopefully get us on something that's a little bit more logical anyways just want to say thank you once again to peter nanula and dan hartnett and i hope you guys enjoyed this week's edition of private club radio and until next week Here's to your
0: membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.